Uh, thank you so much to our readers. You did such a fantastic job reading the, the story, uh, uh, the various passages just now. Uh, Ruth is a marvelous uh, story, isn't it? And it's a, uh, a passage that's not often preached on uh, in churches. So let me encourage you in the next uh, couple of weeks uh, leading up to, to Christmas uh, to keep coming along. Uh, next week is the climax, and uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, well, we are continuing uh, in Ruth, chapter 2 tonight. Uh, it'd be great if you could turn there in your Bibles. I've got it on page 266. Uh, and as usual, there's an outline of the talk that you can follow along in the middle of your, your bulletins, and you can write any notes you find helpful there. Uh, as we come to God's Word, let's turn to Him in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise You for Your steadfast love uh, towards us. We thank you uh, for speaking to us in your word just now. Uh, we pray that you would help me to explain uh, this, uh, your word clearly. And we pray for each and every one of us that we might be responding rightly to you, that we might trust in you whatever happens and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, life in this world can be fairly confusing at times. Uh, on the one hand, uh, life can often seem like it's fairly out of control. Uh, it's been one of those years, isn't it? The upheavals in world politics, uh, Brexit and then Trump and who knows what's next. The wars in Iraq, uh, Syria, Ukraine, they all continue raging on. Uh, this, the tragedies of life. Perhaps you uh, read this week uh, of that pedestrian uh, bridge that collapsed near Mid Valley. Uh, one dead, at least for... Uh, injured, or maybe the, the, the plane crash in, in South America, the, that Brazilian champion uh, football team, uh, all killed on the way to their finals uh, match. Uh, terrible tragedies. Uh, maybe it's been personal tragedies uh, in your own life. Uh, the unexpected cancer diagnosis, or the, uh, the job redundancy, or, or something like that. Uh, life can often seem fairly chaotic fairly out of control. And sometimes we're tempted to ask, where is God uh, in the midst of all the, all the chaos? But then again, at other times, things just seem like they were meant to be. Uh, destiny. Uh, I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. That's how our love songs uh, go, isn't it? And uh, life can be like that sometimes. It certainly felt like that when I started dating my wife. Uh, I, I flew over to Malaysia to, to ask her out, and uh, she just happened to have quit her job just before I arrived and have nothing much to do except spend time with me. Uh, well, also to read uh, the book at the time, uh, which was called Married for God, uh, a sign of a, a good sign, I guess. Uh, so how are we to understand life in our world? Is it chaotic? Is it destiny? Is it something else? Is there a, is there a sovereign God uh, in control of both the good and the evil, uh, working out his good and perfect plan? Well, the book of Ruth is all about the providence of God. It's all about how, how God is at work in all situations, even in the darkest of times, to work out his good purposes for his people and for his world. 
Uh, and last week uh, we saw the story uh, uh, began in the time of the judges. It was a, it was a time of particular turmoil uh, in the lives of God's people. And, uh, and tragedy had struck, at, uh, struck Naomi's family. There was, a, there was a famine in Bethlehem. They, they fled over to Moab. Uh, and there, uh, one day turned into ten years. And Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died. And her two sons uh, as well. And so Naomi returned to Bethlehem feeling empty, hopeless, and bitter with God. Chaotic indeed. And yet we began to see, uh, right at the end of last week, that maybe God had some plan in all of this. Uh, God brought an end to the famine. Naomi returned home uh, with her loyal and loving uh, companion Ruth by her side. Uh, and the chapter ended, of course, with uh, no longer with, uh, with famine, but the barley harvest about to begin. Well, let us turn to chapter 2 uh, and see what God has in store. It's certainly a change from chapter 1. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Enter the rich relative. Uh, Boaz is a man that seems like he's got it all. He's, he's a worthy man. Uh, in other words, he's, he's full of standing in society. He's probably full of wealth as well. But most importantly, he is a relative of Elimelech. Could Boaz be the man of fullness who will save Ruth and Naomi from their emptiness? Well, in chapter 2, the, the spotlight is on Ruth. How does Ruth respond to her situation? Will she stay at home moaning and groaning of all the things that have happened? Well, no, she, she takes advantage of God's gracious provisions uh, through the law. Have a look at verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Uh, see, God in his kindness and love had uh, laws in the Old Testament to provide for, for widows, uh, for poor people, for foreigners like Ruth and Naomi. Uh, for example, if you look at uh, Leviticus 23, uh, we read there, uh, when you reap the harvest of the land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge, uh, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Uh, and here in Ruth chapter 2, we see God's people uh, following God's ways. Uh, and Ruth and Naomi experience the kindness of God as he provides for them through these, through these laws. They, they, Ruth travels behind the reapers, uh, picking up the leftovers. And yet at the same time here, as, as Ruth is going about this uh, godly, responsible action uh, in accordance with God's law, we see God sovereignly at work behind the scenes. Have a look at verse 3. So she went out and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was, if you've forgotten, of the clan of Elimelech. Uh, you can imagine the smile on the writer's uh, face as he pens uh, these words, because uh, the one thing that we're, that we're meant to understand is that this did not happen 
by chance. Of all the fields in Bethlehem uh, that, that, that Ruth could have found herself in, she happens to be in Boaz's field. And who does Boaz happen to be? He just happens to be the relative of Elimelech. Uh, But of course it's more, because by another unlikely coincidence, the very day that Ruth turns up in the field, Boaz turns up on the scene. Verse 4, Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Uh, See the godliness of this man, uh, Boaz. Uh, Both he and the reapers, isn't it? They acknowledge that it is God's presence and God's blessing that will help them in this harvest. But it could really be a scene from a a blockbuster movie, isn't it? As we we read on in verse 5, Boaz said to his young man who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Uh, You can imagine the glance, isn't it? Boaz is there, his eyes turn across and love at first sight. There is Ruth right there. Uh, and what is Ruth doing? Well, the, the, the reapers uh, uh, reply to him, who is this? This is the young Moabite woman who came back from Moab and she's, she's gleaning among the reapers and she's been working hard. She's been doing uh, just a short rest uh, in the whole day so far. Uh, in these early uh, verses, we get a bit of a, uh, an understanding, insight into God's sovereignty. Uh, See, on the one hand, here you have God providing for his people through the the godly actions of his people. Uh, Boaz following God's law, leaving the gleanings behind. Uh, Ruth going out, uh, not staying at home, taking advantage of of God's laws and God providing for them. And yet at the very same time, there is God sovereignly uh, overseeing events, working behind the scenes. Uh, working out his perfect plan. Uh, now, this, uh, these two things, God's sovereignty, human responsibility, they always go together uh, in the Bible. Uh, for example, in the New Testament, Jesus says to uh, go and make disciples of all nations. It's a command from Jesus. Uh, and, and, God, uh, and God uses the godly actions of his people as they, as they obey that command, as they invite people to, to guest night, as they share the gospel in their, in their workplace and so on, to bring people to Jesus. Uh, and yet at the same time, of course, uh, God is at work behind the scenes. Uh, God's at work in their hearts, uh, making them listen, making them come along, bringing them to faith uh, in Jesus. Uh, God's sovereignty is never an excuse for laziness. God is sovereign, and so we should, that should encourage us to work, because God is at work, bringing about his perfect plan. Now, as the story continues, we see these two things come together, because God is sovereignly at work, showing kindness through Boaz. And we're at point two, the extravagant kindness of God through Boaz. Now, the author really wants to underline for us how unexpected this kindness is. Uh, In verse 6, I mentioned uh, uh, Ruth is identified as the young Moabite woman who came back from the country of Moab. Uh, If you uh, read the book of Judges, you will know that the Moabites uh, were actually the enemies of Israel. They'd invaded Israel on more than one occasion. Uh, Moabites were prohibited from entering uh, into the temple and so on. Ruth is the lowest of the low, poor, widowed, Moabite. 
And yet, look at the extravagant kindness of Boaz to Ruth. Uh, Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Such affection, isn't it? Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go uh, to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Uh, Ruth is, is very vulnerable, isn't she? She's a foreigner, she's poor, she's got no one to defend her. And yet what does Boaz do? He, he urges her to stay. He, he promises to protect her, to provide for her. Uh, and you can, you can understand uh, Ruth's shocked response, isn't it, in the, there in verse 10. Uh, then she, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? She bows as if she's received the favour of a king, uh, as if she's received grace. Why me, Boaz? Well, Boaz uh, explains his actions uh, in verse 11. Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Uh, see, the, the word has, uh, has spread around Bethlehem. Boaz has heard of the kindness of Ruth to Naomi. She, he's heard how, how she left everything. She left her country. She left her family. She, she was loyal to this poor, grieving mother-in-law. She came to Bethlehem to a certain state of poverty. Uh, it was an incredible act by Ruth, wasn't it? Uh, I wonder how many of us would, would do the same Uh, if we were in Ruth's situation. But verse 12 is really the key uh, to the whole book. Uh, Because as Boaz rightly recognizes here, Ruth didn't just show kindness to Naomi, as amazing as that was. Uh, Ruth committed herself to the Lord. Uh, Do you remember back in chapter 1 what she said? Uh, She said, Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Ruth committed herself to the Lord. Uh, Like a little chick, she she hid herself safe under God's loving wings. Uh, And Boaz recognizes that Ruth's trust in the Lord will not fail to be rewarded by God. Having taken refuge in the God of Israel, she will most certainly experience God's kindness for herself. It's a marvellous truth, isn't it? No matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter what social status someone may be, for anyone who will make God their God, who will take refuge under his wings, God will most certainly lavish upon them his kindness and his blessing. Well, in what follows, we'll see that Boaz becomes the agent of God's extravagant kindness. Uh, Ruth recognizes Boaz's kindness in verse 13. Uh, She says, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord. 
For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Uh, Ruth recognizes Boaz's kindness and grace uh, towards her, but this is just the beginning. Uh, because Boaz, uh, Boaz's kindness is going to go far beyond some mere duty to a law here. His kindness is extravagant towards Ruth. Look at verse uh, 14. Uh, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. Uh, it's lunchtime now, and uh, Boaz, Boaz singles out Ruth. He says, let's go to an all-you-can-eat uh, buffet. And he orders, brings over dish after dish after dish. There's the prawns, there's the crabs, there's the, uh, I don't know, the chakwe chow and the nazi lemak. And she eats, and she eats, and she eats, until uh, she wonders if an, another mouthful she's just going to explode. Because it's so generous. But even then, Boaz isn't finished uh, with Ruth. Uh, she goes back to work. I don't know how she manages after that meal. Uh, but she goes back to work, and Boaz makes sure she's got food to spare as well. Uh, verse 15, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to clean, and do not rebuke her. Uh, See, usually uh, the reapers would go, they'd take all the good stuff, and then whatever was left would be there for the poor people. But not so for Ruth. Uh, Boaz orders the men, look, just just deliberately miss that part there. Oh, and just accidentally, accidentally drop some on the ground. And when you see Ruth pick it up, don't scold her, just just turn a blind eye and let it go on. And and the result is there in verse uh, 17. uh, As she gleaned in the field until the evening, she beat out what she gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Now, that is a lot of barley. You can imagine her going home with this massive uh, sack packed with grain. Just one day's work, and Ruth moves from poverty to abundance, thanks to the extravagant kindness of Boaz. We're meant to see here that behind the extravagant kindness of of Boaz is the extravagant kindness of God. Ruth trusted trusted the Lord. She took refuge under his wings, and God has showed his kindness to her. But as the chapter closes, what we need to observe is that this kindness was not just for Ruth. It was for bitter old Naomi uh, as well. And we remember at the end of chapter 1, Naomi returned too, didn't she? She came back from Moab to Bethlehem. She came back to the land of blessing. And so as one who's returned as well, Naomi too will share her experience of God's kindness. And as Ruth returns home from her day in the field, Naomi uh, begins to see it for herself that God has not stopped being kind uh, to her. Uh, Ruth uh, lugs this uh, big uh, sack of grain home and uh, her mother-in-law says to her there in verse 19, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice uh, of you. You you can picture the shock on her face, isn't it? Uh, This is completely unexpected uh, for Naomi. Uh, Naomi answers her question, verse 19, 
the man, man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. What a change for Naomi. Uh, Last time we saw in chapter 1, she was empty, bitter, and angry with God. Now, she blesses Boaz, and she praises the God who has never stopped showing kindness to the living or the dead. See, Boaz is not just a close relative. He's a, he's a kinsman redeemer. Uh, in other words, he's one appointed in God's law who has a special responsibility to save relatives like, like Ruth and Naomi. Uh, we'll begin to see how that works out next week. But Naomi begins to realize here, even though she's faced this terrible disaster in her life, uh, the death of her husband and her two sons, that the Lord has never stopped showing kindness to her. Uh, Perhaps Elimelech's name will not be wiped out after all. Perhaps they will not be destined for the dustbin of history after all. Behind the extravagant kindness of Boaz is the extravagant kindness of God. Well, Ruth chapter 2 teaches us very clearly that God is no spectator Uh, in our world. Both the seeming chaos of the world and the strange coincidence are both the work of the Almighty God. Uh, God has everything in his hands, uh, whether it is the war in Iraq or the the, the plane crash in uh, Colombo or the death of Naomi's family members. Even in the midst of all those tragedies, God is still at work in kindness for the good of his people. Uh, We need to remember it was not all bitterness for Naomi, just as it was not all bitterness for Job or for Jesus as well. All Naomi had to do was was wait a while and God's kind purposes uh, started to emerge. Uh, In the end of chapter 2 here, we see that uh, that Ruth is is, is invited to stay close to, to Boaz for the rest of the harvest as well. Uh, Day after day after day, uh, God continues to provide and provide and provide and provide. See, when things happen, we need to adopt a bigger perspective on life. We need to be absolutely convinced that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him. Uh, Usually we won't understand why things happen at the time. Uh, Ruth, uh, Naomi certainly didn't understand at the time. But God has his good and loving ways, uh, greater than we could possibly imagine, that he is bringing about. And Ruth chapter 2 gives us some indication of how God shows his kindness. I mean, on the one hand, of course, God's kindness shows through in his laws, uh, where he commands things for our good. As we, as we follow God's laws, uh, we experience God's kindness as we live in, in line with how he's made this world. But God's kindness shines through most clearly here, isn't it? Through God's righteous redeemer, Boaz. Boaz was righteous. He, he followed all God's laws. 
But Boaz's kindness went beyond obligation. It was extravagant. It was gracious. It was abundant. Uh, We'll see in the coming weeks that there is nothing that Boaz is not willing to do to help Ruth and Naomi. Uh, And yet even that great kindness of God through Boaz is just a very small picture of, of the ultimate expression of God's kindness through his ultimate uh, righteous redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, we're at point three, the extravagant kindness of God in Christ. I wonder if you just turn with me very briefly to our, our New Testament reading from Ephesians chapter 2. It's on page 1164. Uh, of your Bibles. Ephesians 2, page 1164. Uh, We see there that our situation was far worse than that of Ruth and Naomi. Uh, We were dead in our sins. We had no relationship with God. Uh, Like Elimelech, if you like, we'd we'd walked away from God. Uh, We'd rejected his righteous rule and and come under his judgment. We we do that as we follow the world, as we follow the devil, as we follow our own sinful desires. We are, as verse 3 says here, uh, by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We were in a desperate situation. But if we think the kindness of Boaz was something, then consider the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. God showed us extravagant kindness, isn't it? Look at verse 4, what God did. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. See, in his love and mercy, God intervened into our desperate situation. Uh, God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to die in our place, to take that punishment that we deserve. He turned aside God's wrath from us, and then he was raised to life again three days later, and we were raised with him to live eternally uh, in his presence. And he did all of this, uh, verse 7, you know, he did all of this so that for all eternity the universe might see the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now just stop for a moment and consider the immeasurable kindness of God to you and me. Does it stagger you? When we were dead in our sins, God gave his precious only son for us. In our most desperate state, God showed us grace. Well, how should we respond to God's extravagant kindness? Well, I think uh, Ruth firstly, uh, teaches us to learn to recognize God's kindness in all of life. You see, when things are going well, it's easy to fail to thank God for it, isn't it? Or when things are going bad, it's easy to, uh, to think that God's not in control or it's chaos or he doesn't love me or all of those things. But we've seen today God is sovereign in both the good and the bad. 
and so when good things happen, we must remember to, to thank God for it. And when life is hard and it's difficult to trust, we need to, 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 to be reminded that God is, is still in control, working out his good and kind purposes. Now, God didn't abandon Ruth and Naomi. And God won't abandon us in our suffering either. As, as, we, as we look to the cross uh, and, and we see the, 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 the greatest of all tragedies, where as the Son of God himself is, is crucified in our place, even there in that great tragedy, God continues to be at work, bringing about his kind and loving plans. Uh, we can be absolutely assured that no matter what happens, God is kind to, to me and you. Now, it may well be today that some of us here have uh, come to church and we're not yet Christians. And if that is you, I'm so, so, I'm so pleased that you are here with us uh, because you've heard today about the greatest message of all, the kindness of God to you in Christ. But here is a very important thing. Uh, God's kindness is for those who take refuge in him. God's kindness is for those who, who leave their rebellion and return to him, who, who, who take refuge under the shadow of his wings. That, that's what Ruth did, wasn't it? In her desperate state, all she could do was trust God to provide, to protect, to save. And of course, as she did, that's what happened. She experienced God's kindness and God's salvation uh, for herself. Uh, See, so we have a choice, isn't it? Where we will seek refuge uh, in life. Uh, there's all kinds of things that we could look to, to, to perhaps to money, uh, to relationships, to our, to our family, uh, to our work, to our career. Uh, but whatever those things are, they're, they're, they're all shaky ground. They're not firm in the end. Any, they can be touched and changed at any time. The only place of, of true refuge is God himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in our most desperate state, we can have refuge in him. So will we trust him? Will each and every one of us take refuge under God's wings, no matter what happens in life? And finally, I think if we've really understood the extravagance of God's kindness towards us, then it will change us completely. Uh, Ruth and Boaz are examples of that, I think. Uh, in a time of such wickedness in Israel during the time of the judges, Ruth is full of such self-sacrificial love. Boaz is, is full of such extravagant kindness and generosity. See, Ruth and Boaz become like the God that they serve, full of kindness, full of steadfast love. And so I wonder what does our life say of the God that we serve? Have we so grasped the extravagant kindness of God towards us that it flows through into our lives in our grace-filled actions, our thanks-filled speech, in our joy, in our trust in the Lord, in any situation? As we've seen this, uh, this evening, God is sovereign in the good and the bad. God is at work 
in all things. There's no such thing as chaos. There's no such thing as fate or destiny. God is sovereign, working out his good and pleasing plan. He showed such kindness towards us in Jesus. Will we trust him? Will we show that kindness to others? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we we can only praise you for your steadfast love and kindness that you have shown towards us. Lord, we know like Ruth, we are not worthy of any of these things. We're in such a desperate state. And yet, you went above and beyond as you sent your own dear Son, Jesus Christ, into the world as our righteous Redeemer to rescue us from sin and death. Father, we thank you for the great comfort it is to know that you are sovereign in all things, the good and the bad, that you have a good and perfect plan that you are working out in our lives, that you are kind and good. And so, Father, we pray that you would help each and every one of us to be trusting in you like a bird under the wings of the mother hen. Help us to depend on your kindness. And we pray that you would help us to show this same kindness to others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.